Uh, hi, this is Mark Bingham from the Screaming Gypsy Bandits, which has been broken up for 50 years, and you're listening to Sticky Jazz. The opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Jeremy Hinks and Sticky Jazz Podcast and do not necessarily reflect those of anyone else on this planet. All right, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hanks, the man of a million musical opinions, all of which happen to be correct. This week, I have Doug Greaves from uh, Glitter Wizard. He's the... Uh, well, Glitter Wizard are the celebratory act of... Uh, they're just celebrating glam rock and everything that was bad and wrong about metal for the last ever... Um, they took it and they created a band from it and uh it's just amazing they're so much fun and they just released an album called kiss the boot um my conversation with doug reeves is like beyond i'm so in over my head talking to a guy who has this much experience and this much knowledge so if you're a music geek and a junkie who liked all that was tasteless, rude, and offensive that caused the religious right to go bonkers in the 80s, 70s, and 80s. These guys, they nailed it for you. So I'm going to kick this one off with their song, She's a Star. So enjoy the uh, Glitter Wizard, She's a Star. Let's all sit back and do the glam, over-the-top glam.
right, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hanks in Salt Lake City. This week, I have, I believe he's in San Francisco area, Doug Greaves from the band Glitter Wizard. How are you today, Doug? I'm doing good, and I'm located in Oakland across the bay from San Francisco. Okay, you're in Oakland. Because the, uh, well, the, the band camp page says that you're a San Fran band, and... uh so, but it's Bay Area, I guess. A little think. bit of a, all San Francisco and Oakland, the big cities. Yeah, the Bay Area. So, uh, Glitter Wizard, um, uh, let's say you guys just released within the last week, right? The uh, the new EP, Kiss the Boot. And uh, I, I got to say, let's see, you guys are over there uh, on Kitten Robot Records, right? Yep. Okay, so uh, I love all things Kitten Robot. I just wanted to say that out in the open. I, I Unabashedly, Josie Cotton's one of my favorite people in the whole universe. So, I I only got to uh, to meet her just uh, last last year when she played at the uh, the Mosswood Meltdown Festival here in Oakland, and she put on a great set. Really, really fun. Uh, and I did get it get a quick chance to introduce myself to her and. Hi, you signed me on your label, and she was really nice. Oh yeah, but, I mean, but well, to be on Kitten Robot, right? That that's like the there's an iconic, like, I mean, it's all about we're here having a good time, and that's what that's just the whole idea of Kitten Robot. I loved everything, like every band that's on there is just everyone's having a good time, and something and it, I really enjoy. It's definitely so. a motto motto that works for glitter wizard oh yeah well okay let's let's get right into that then if that's the motto for glitter wizard because i i have to say so the new out the new ep I, i can't say album the new ep um kiss the boot i haven't had that much fun listening to a rock album in a very long time it was just so much fun a very enjoyable piece i mean it just so much thrown in there and i was like okay i gotta go and do it jump into the back catalog as well and it was just awesome i the the best way to describe it is and this is my my whole experience with the record okay when i was 12 and 13 years old um I, i was i was raised mormon staunch mormon there and there was this guy, Bill Bryson, going around talking to all the Mormon leaders. Like my parents didn't care much what I listened to, but boy, at church they would. They, you know, big deal about all of the bad things going on in rock and roll. And your song, She's a Star, you celebrated everything that was bad in rock and roll in 1982. I like, I. It doesn't get better than that, man. It was awesome. It was so much fun. That video, I I was just, I loved the whole thing, just start to finish. And that was that was the big one. I mean, I could talk about that for hours. But uh, please tell me it was, you guys, tell me you guys had more fun making that video than any of us had watching it. I loved watching it, but it looked like it was just a party making that video. It it was a lot of fun, but it's it's still making a video. And well, actually, one of the most fun things about filming the dungeon scene, which I was involved with, was watching the rough edits of the game room scene, which had already been filmed. Uh huh. 
And just, I hadn't seen any of the filming of that and just seeing that part blew me away and knowing that I was, knowing that I was about to fit into that story and that it was about to take a very uh, different twist was, was definitely a, an exciting thought. It helped me get into the uh, character for the, the video as it were. Well, all right. I mean, you, you guys proved that everything that was bad and evil about rock and roll in 1982, you, you proved it. Yes, that was, you know, I was like, this is 1982, man. I mean, everything, Dungeons and Dragons, getting locked into a cage, blood sacrifice, video games, getting your, your throat, get, the guy getting his throat cut by a smoking hot witch, the rape van. I mean, all of that was just thrown in there. And then at the end, he gets a vinyl copy of the record, right? Dropped out. <laughs> just... And he has a big smile on his face. I mean, who? Oh, my gosh. I was like, does it get better than this? Like, what went into the into the artistic design for this? I mean, it just looked like it was just, I mean, that alone. Um, it reminds me of uh, going back to, you know, you know, the band Sticks, right? You remember Sticks? Oh, of course. And one of these things, the, the guy who was going around saying, you know, music is bad and rock and roll is bad. He was playing stick snowblind backwards because there was some sort of backmasking message on it and all that. And I remember I was talking to Chuck about that, Chuck in sticks, the bassist. And he said, you know, my response to that was, you know, when, when kids said I wanted to come and see sticks and my parents wouldn't let me. Uh, I said, sorry, you had idiot parents, man. <laughs> you know, And so, I mean, you just pulled all that together to do that. Well, tell me what. Tell me the. Tell me what. What brought that video together? I mean, because that that should be a showcase piece for you guys. Well, for, first, I'll just uh, throw out the factoid that there is a hidden backwards message on a Glitter Wizard record. So, oh, good luck dude. finding it. Oh, hey, yeah. Shoot. Yeah. Well, you see, but it's on vinyl. You could do it. I'll have to go. I'll have to go listen for it and try. Okay. And so back back to the video, um, de definitely a, a ton of the credit has to go to our bassist Candy Moon, who directed it and is a, a video pro in real life. He's probably either staring at a, a camera output or working on some editing on his computer as we speak. Um, and it, it was definitely a, an homage to, yeah, the, the things that, that were the bad influences when we were growing up that we loved. Uh, I don't know if you noticed the intro and outro is an homage mm -hmm. to the uh, to EC Comics and the kind of the horror anthology movies, Tales from the Crypt that they made about them. The, those were definitely the, the, the kind of things we loved growing up. Yeah. Um, geez, it was, well, I mean, yeah, because I, I remember I was like, I remember playing those kinds of video games and i mean everything like you 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 totally captured the zeitgeist of that time frame and, and just just blew it up for the fun of it and oh geez the right it it just would have been great i i now the cool part is i describe you guys as the sweet meets spinal tap meets motorhead with a lot of kiss in there except you're better than kiss um and that song she's a star opening line was with the, the drum ballroom blitz right i was like oh yeah man i like i was already familiar with that group and just riding on it, it was so so much fun um 
am I off in my description of? Nope, not not at all. We we set out very obviously to make a a glam influenced record, and there are there there are a lot of direct inf, direct uh, references to a lot of glam songs in there, and even a couple non glam songs too. So I mean that the the drum beat, I was like, oh man, we're on ballroom blitz, and every I was just. It, it's a beat that yeah gets you moving let lets you know that you're at a party oh it's yeah time to get going yeah um so the whole ep is tribute to 70s glam i that was what i felt uh like not just a specific band but the entire genre De- definitely the entire genre and not a specific band and and there is definitely a lot of variety in the genre which gave us a lot to to pick and choose from and you know you could have your bands that were very sophisticated that dabbled in glam like Bowie and Roxy Music, and you could have your lunk-headed glamsters like Slade. Oh yeah, <laughs> Slade, Naughty Holder. Oh man. <laughs> oh, it just it it made me like I missed all of that. I caught the tail end of it right because I was only I was born in '73, so I, I missed all of that i i was getting in the music about the time slade hit us with um run run away was probably about you know that was kind of the right when they they had their later day mtv hit after they had a huge hit with quiet riot covering come on feel the noise uh, right right because and and then it was like okay and then what happened to slade after that well not a lot right and i so i, I feel like i caught the tail end of a lot of the great glam that was there and, well, and and recall you're in the states that that stuff didn't get played on the radio in the states in the 70s uh yeah, Slade were nowhere they tried hard to make it in the states but couldn't do it in the US Sweet are a, basically a three hit wonder and half the people don't know that those three songs are by the same band but in England they had a dozen top 10 hits in like in in, in uh, Germany and Scandinavia they're almost all their singles went straight to number one. Oh yeah. Like I, I even, I remember I was watching a concert film Slade played in Moscow to a stadium, you know, like, a, like huge. And, and yeah, the, the sweet, I mean, they were, you know, like they, they got, everyone knows when the surf punks did ballroom blitz, but yeah, come on guys. What about the rest of the with you know, um, yeah, I think America are the best we had for glam was Kiss for a long time, and we, you know, like Kiss spent so they they were like the over the top side of it. I think that they kind of like glossed over, and a lot of other great bands got left in the dust because everyone was all into the makeup and shit, you know. But and the the New York Dolls were the the great American oh. glam band, but they were they were a little bit too self-destructive and also a little bit too dangerous for for America in a way that Kiss weren't. It's like Alice Cooper got big because his record label told him, look, Vince, you can chop off your head, you can kill babies, but you can't wear women's clothes on stage, okay? Right. <laughs> so that worked against the dolls. Well, but they were also labeled as communists because they were wearing red. I remember that. Like, I... I like um i'm in utah and because of that movie the new york doll there was a big like all these mormons got into the glam they're like wait a minute i'm like i knew those guys long before the movie you know but uh um 
Although, although the, the best Alice Cooper, no, is it, was it Alice Cooper? What the heck? Um, uh, yeah, that's right. When, when, when Alice Cooper was on stage and some kid threw a chicken up on the stage, Alice Cooper didn't know the damn things can't fly. And then he kicked it out in the audience and it got torn apart and he felt so bad for it. And Frank Zappa was like, Alice, don't say anything. Just, just, just stay quiet about it. Right? Let the rumors fly. It's gonna be great for you, you know. And so Alice Cooper had all this publicity happening for him just because that one stunt that was completely unplanned. You know, I mean, that was up there with Ozzy biting the bat. I mean, great moments in rock and roll history that were completely, you know, unexpected and 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 whatnot. But uh, unfortunately, geez. when our singer had a uh, a run in with animals, he used dead bait like like fish bait uh yeah i, I don't <clears throat> i don't know if you've uh heard about uh glitter wizards arch rivals a uh, heavy metal band from portland called r.i.p i i know them i didn't know they were your rivals but uh um they they they're evil folks uh so we that we try to try to warn people that that there are bands who should not be listened to. So, when we uh, played played a gig with them in Portland last year, our our singer had the uh, the foresight to stop by the Bass Pro Shop, pick up a uh, a carton of worm bait, and in the middle of our set, none of us were expecting this. Out come the worms, and the worms start talking to him. And he starts telling the audience all the things that these worms are telling you about R.I.P. And oh, they they didn't like R.I.P. The, the, the worms didn't like R.I.P. Huh? Because and at the very end, the singer said, "Our our singer Wendy finally, you know, worms. All this stuff you say about R.I.P. is true, but you know what? I don't like worms." And proceeds to stuff uh worm bait in his mouth or fish bait in the form of dead worms in his mouth oh geez so so you you had it right don't do that with live animals keep it to the uh keep it to, to the, the pre-killed the, ones yeah the, oh my gosh that is what that's a story unto itself please tell me somebody got that on their phone you did that one last year you you know i think it really didn't show up. People were, I think, were really so taken aback. You know, I and the rest of the band were completely taken aback. We were not expecting it. You, you weren't expecting a conversation with the worms. Nope. No. Nor, nor that the worms would be uh, made a meal of afterwards. Uh, you know, well, I mean, uh, let's see. There was the worm, your honor, and Pink Floyd's The Wall, maybe, that, you know, judgment come down that way. That was probably resurgence of that character. Might have been it. Uh, those, yeah, those were worms you aren't going to like. Yeah, yeah, wow. So, um, so let's see, going back to, I, I wouldn't say almost the beginning, right? Uh in 2012 um that was probably one of the silliest album covers ever loved it and uh uh that the the debut uh solar hits yes no no solar no not solar or uh, the the follow-up uh hunting gatherers the hunter gatherers yes the uh the caveman 
Oh my gosh, the ca- that caveman that I was like that is one funny record cover. Um, so that was the second one. Your first one came out in in Solar Hits was 2011, right? I think so. Okay, yeah, and but this is almost the beginning. Okay, aside from great cover, I mean, just comedic. Uh, the line, uh, "I don't worship the devil; the devil worships me." Um, he gave his. He gave his life to save my soul. I gave it back for rock and roll. Masterpiece. Or if he died and suffered pain, I'd hate for it to be in vain. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, like, where, okay, what a line. Talk about that song for a sec. Cause that one was, I mean, I, I just got so many great. That was just, anyway, please go on. Talk about that one for a sec. Yeah. Those lines really encapsulate the brilliance of Wendy Stonehenge and, and his words. And like you said, capturing the things that are supposed to be bad about rock and roll. And uh, like you, he grew up in a strict Mormon environment. And I, I think get out. That that's it, it's true. It, that's part of his reaction. And you know, it it's also where we we're we're a bunch of rock and rollers, but we also like to know a thing about our our history. And we know that you know that the whole question in catholicism is well since jesus has died for your sins if nobody sins then he died for nothing they died for nothing you don't want him to die for nothing right (laughs) right right yeah don't don't sure yes and that that's come up a lot lately yes as as a lot of people have taken on the uh taken on the challenge the ideas of christianity there when so when he was raised mormon uh I not not in Utah, um, right? I not in Utah, think, uh, but maybe Illinois and Colorado. Uh, wow, that's Midwest. funny though. But but raced Mormon. That's uh, okay. Wow, that would be a conversation to have. I I uh, I have interviewed other ex Mormon musicians as well. That was a big like so. Um, uh, so uh, the song "Motor Rider." Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, written kind of with the umlaut over the second <laughs> I mean there's so many jokes to this you guys are celebrating all the fun of rock and roll that it's just oh geez um, so which one of you had jury duty this week by the way uh, that that was me that was you okay alright it, it was going to be a, a murder case that was going to last two weeks and the judge basically said if Anyone, if you think you have a hardship, fill out a hardship form. We have to be tough with these, wink, wink. <laughs> and uh-huh. came back 15 minutes later saying all hardship exceptions have been accepted. So, wow. So I was you, free. Okay. Well, murder trial. Geez, that'd turn, that'd churn your stomach, man. Geez, that would. Uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd rather, rather avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. More power to you on that one. Yeah. I mean, worms on stage are bad enough. So jury in a murder trial. Well, um, but motor rider. Okay. Like I, I can tell where that came from, obviously, you know, tribute to the great, you know, to Lemmy there. Um, but the, is this a Wendy line there? Doesn't take no lip motor rider shooting from the hip right alone. Motor rider like a Rolling Stone. Um, what are we celebrating in that song? Aside, it's a very fun song, but what what are we celebrating in that song? Basic, basically, 
freedom the same thing it's just about any other motor motorcycle song from born to be wild on the the thrill of being on a road where you can go in any direction you want uh, uh <laughs> to, to quote another great lyricist no stop signs no speed limits uh -huh. um the, the the feeling of the the wind in your hair and a, a lot of people do miss that the uh the character the person who is the motor rider is female oh okay motor rider don't take no lip motor rider shooting from the hip that was a hell of a baseline by the way that was an absolutely amazing baseline i loved that baseline who 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 put that one out uh, that that was candy moon of course candy moon okay well that and is he, he played on it and wrote oh, his own geez. baseline and if you're doing a song that's paying homage to Lemmy, you you, you, you better well do better it right. Have a good you better have a good baseline. And you yes. delivered. I was like, man, that was really good. Well, I'm I'm a sub mediocre bass player, you know, and I I, I just like thumping around. I I enjoy playing. I I wouldn't say I'm good by any means, but um. I, that's usually what stands out. Like I'll hear Kira Rustler, I'll hear whatever, right? Like I'm always going to hear the baseline. If there's a good baseline, I'm going to hear it first. And that one was like, damn. So, but it's, it's uh, a song paying homage to Lemmy, but it's about a, a female writer. Okay. Uh, well, that, cause that baseline was, was the winner right there. Just fabulous piece there real quick is that an analog what that is an analog recording or analog something behind you i'm looking at uh, that that looks very yeah this is the uh, modular synthesizer that i use on stage these oh, days wow. um that is it just it looks so cool i mean it looks like wow that looks like remember when like tangerine dream and Kraftwerk were we're out exactly. there it's like oh it's beautiful and and so it is what oh wow it's a uh, uh, the my my use of analog synthesizers is i would say very influenced by brian Eno with roxy music delta okay. with hawkwind alan ravenstein with perubu people who uh used electronics in unusual ways rather than just playing notes that make different sounds although i do a lot of that too sure so, but so you is so that's your analog synth on stage, um, but very much like your remember like Kraftwerk was was doing those back in the seventies, and uh, did you did you hear the story about when they were going to play in uh, play a show in Berlin and they had analog synths that they had like so much going on with it that the mayor of uh, East Berlin asked them not to play because they weren't because Kraftwerk had so much gear that they built themselves that they were like we you might launch the nuclear missiles could you not play your show in berlin the mayor of west of east berlin asked him not to play in west berlin and Kraftwerk, man they were like they i mean they wrote that they they used that to their advantage man they told that in the story all over the place you know but it, it looked like what i mean so much of what they had looked like that device that you have right there i'm like wow that's a Oh, that looks cool. Um, probably, yeah, I I can't even imagine what it takes to program something like that and to play on, but it's just... Wendy Carlos, man. That, that's like, 
you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? Wendy Carlos oh, absolutely. would have done on that. Switched on Bach, Clockwork Orange. Oh yeah, beautiful. I mean, she was all over stuff like that. That was just, you know, and those are making a serious comeback right now. So it's really cool to see that you're playing with that. It really is. Well, they, and this this is all modern equipment. I've used I've used vintage analog synthesizers in the past, but it there's a lot less to worry about and they can make things much more compactly and still keep the circuitry analog these days, which is nice because this I can fit in my carry-on uh, luggage, put it in the overhead rack and something something comparable in, in the 1970s would you, you would have taken up needed a room, a, but it, Yeah, you would have needed a, a flatbed, yeah. Something like... <laughs> Yeah, like a uh, probably an extra person to help me carry at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen Brian Eno up there. I mean, I've seen some of like the old Roxy music videos where I'm like, where's Brian Eno? He's somewhere behind that monstrosity there. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, okay. Uh, sequence and leather off the new out al- the new EP. It's it's okay we're tribute to glam right uh sequence in leather very t-rex uh let's see cold sweat going down the back of your neck a lightning flashes across the sky it's been a while but it's back in town it ain't here to stay what is the it that we're talking about there or the calling all you deadhead freaks is that uh is that one you can answer to and then i have the follow-up question is is that the one? Because there was something I couldn't quite hear in that one. Is that the one with the back masking in it? Um, no, actually, the back masking was actually on on an earlier record. Okay, because I was like, <laughs> is there something in? Because there was something I was trying to get in that song, uh, that I had to. Anyway, go ahead. No, that that one does have a lot of uh, of both uh, sampled sound effects and, of course, the analog synthesizer noises. So mm-hmm. those can can. It, a lot of things uh it i i couldn't couldn't define what it is for you uh, that that would be a wendy stonehenge question i i i gotta meet this maybe, wendy maybe Candy Moon. i'm not sure which of the two wrote those those uh lyrics but it it definitely is uh it, again a, pr- a pretty clear statement of of what glitter wizard are about the oh, combination yeah. of the the glam outrageous look with the very driving very tough very heavy rock yeah oh geez such a fun but then sequence and leather i mean yeah that's about that was glam as glam could be i mean you know just the imagery from all of that and uh i mean i i just wonder what what are your live shows like aside from someone talking to worms i bet your live shows are just crazy fun People people have a great time at at our live shows. So uh, who's who's more glammed up? You, you guys or the or the or the punters? Who who's more dressed up at that point? Oh, it it would have have to be always us. There there's no question. There, oh really? There have been been a couple times when we played with with bands whose look on stage did rival us, but that very rarely happens. Okay. I got to give a shout out to a fever dog in Southern California who uh, looked great on stage when they uh, played with us in Palmdale last year. Okay. 
but but the um, fans don't the fans don't even come close huh so no I, not, I, not I, I would there are uh, occasionally will so someone will show up and we're like yeah they like get they, it. they really got it huh so. yeah but most, most people are are rock audiences and look like rock audiences in you know, what whatever city they're from okay because it would just be aside from very loud and a lot of fun. I I just I can only imagine how crazy you know, live it's shows are. definitely not a bunch of musicians standing on stage in their street clothes, looking down at their effects pedals while they strum their instruments and sing some morose mumbled lyrics. It it is uh it's in your face. It's it's just a little bit short of and a assault or an attack on you well maybe it is and and of course there's our our not so secret weapon in a or the band's sixth member our uh, our merchandise man aka mercho man who mercho man. uh dresses in a hopefully not copyright infringing professional wrestling style costume i was gonna say is it come works, out there works the it? crowd up at the beginning of our set and then takes some time to uh have have fun with the audience and and then and then goes and sells t-shirts <laughs> and then goes sells sells t-shirts while we go off stage and take off our sweaty glam clothes that are stuck to our skin because all that stuff gets very uncomfortable very fast Oh, sequins and spandex, and sweating man. on stage. Yeah, oh, yes. oh my gosh, I'm I'm just wondering, like, and how many decibels are you guys at? Well, it depends on the venue. <laughs> I'm sure a fun time is to be had by all for it. Um, one of the most enjoyable songs on the new EP was uh, "Sugar Beat." Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, and so much of what you guys do is comedic play on words. Uh, you guys do a lot of fun playing on words, obviously. Uh, again, I hadn't had so much fun listening to a rock album in a long time. And this, you know, that it's the, the, let's see, what was that? The, the, the kind of wizard uh, bring uh wizard to bring you to the beat. The boots uh, are stomping to the stomping to the beat. Uh, we'll keep slaying if you keep playing. I mean, what lines, man? And so is it like all of you like chanting this, just barreling this out when, you know, I, I bet there's everyone pogo sticking, just going, you know, I mean, the, just talking because this this song was meant to be played live. This song is a live song. Hands down. Well, we, we haven't played it live yet. But we've only done a couple shows since our uh, since the record came out. Right. I did uh, the uh, the the one one thing on the record that's worked great live is on uh, "She's a Star." There's the uh, there's that break where everything shuts down, and then the band chants, "Hey, hey, 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 hey!" Uh huh. And, and get, that... getting the audience to to go along with that and it keeps increasing so so wendy has to go all right do it once do it twice <laughs> so that's going to become a fan favorite it's kind of kind of that, that that's what they yeah, we we hope so Pe- people seem to to enjoy joining in and they'll like, like to have the the crowd crowd working along with us 
Well, obviously, because you're you're not the the shoegazing. We'll stare at our we'll stare at the effects pedals and strum. It, it's because uh, that that one I just imagined listening to it. I was like that one live. Everybody be just you know on just pound. You know, you're all stomping in your glam boots. Everybody in the audience is you know uh sweating noisy earplugs are going to be useless because it's going to be just loud as fuck anyway and that that's what i'm getting that's always true yeah i'm I'm getting that like even with my really good earplugs i'm I'm gonna suffer that night um uh i like like the idea of the audience stomping along well that that one well that but that's the beat like that's the one everyone it's about stomping to it you know fun just so i but then a beat instead of a you know sugar beet b-e-e-t like here you know one of the local crops here is sugar beets yep and then there's a there's part of the fun there was a joke because there was a school here called granite high and they were the beet diggers that was their mascot and so i said i was like okay this is funny because they were sugar beets you know or no it was the the jordan high beet diggers (laughs) like like the hell right anyway so um uh do you know frank meyer by the way do you know frank over at uh he's in the street walk and cheetahs and uh, warrior soul and a lot of other bands there he's in the la circuit but you know who he is i i know who, who he is i don't think i've met him okay so um the cheetahs did a song that i was listening to and i was like all right there was a there was some references in there and i said okay so was that a Spinal Tap reference in one of his songs? And he said, oh, my God, I didn't realize. Yes, it was. I didn't realize that at the time. But, yes, that was straight out of Big Bottoms. Yes, right. It was. He said that was. Yes, that was. I, he said, I didn't. Re- I must have been listening to Big Bottoms when I wrote that song. Because it's just the, the, the pun in the innuendos. Uh, this one, Kiss the Boot. Is that a play on the Spinal Tap? Oh, it 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 definitely definitely oh, is a a play on smell the glove. Absolutely. Okay, smell the glove. Yes. Okay. I was like, I mean, I was, I was like, kiss the boot, like smell okay. the glove, and I so okay, caught that one. Good, two points for me. Uh, but that was also a very kiss boot on the album cover, right? I mean, puns galore, puns galore. This whole thing is just, I mean, <laughs> give me some of that. Just talk about that for a second. Yeah, we're we're all good at all good at that. So like comedy. I mean, oh geez. Nobody has fun in rock and roll anymore. Not like this. Yeah, uh, we it's a it it's it it's kind of a fine line or a duality. We we don't take things too seriously. We have a sense of humor. We want want things to be about fun. We don't want to make you think heavy things, but we want to be a really good band. We want to, uh, we want to kick ass for our audience every night. We want to be good at our instruments. We want to do all those things too. But well, you're actually actual musicians, though. You're not just we're out here to for for the fame and the money and that. I mean, you're obviously like, no, we're doing this for real. We want to make music, music and and have a good time at it like you know obviously yeah I, i've seen too many bands go out there taking themselves too seriously and they miss the mark with what that with what they're able to do and 
you know, I I just think, well, I mean, live, right? This is only to entice people to go to your live shows. That's what I think. I mean, I can listen to this all day long. I I went through your catalog enjoying it, and I just think, wow, I couldn't wait to see these fellas live, you know? And that's just, that's just totally honest. I can just, you're just, would be a lot of fun. It's definitely the the way we have to be experienced. There's there's not quite anything like it, I don't think. And I've I've seen a lot of rock bands. I mean, it's like uh, I don't know, not in the direction of Guar, but um, I don't know. Maybe no, probably not quite like Guar. But uh, you know, I've I've seen Guar live, and they are they are awesome fun. But also my earplugs, I was like, I I. They were useless that night. I was suffering the next day, you know. Um, uh, yeah, we're we're definitely not as much about the spectacle as Guar. Their their spectacle is 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 pretty extreme. And but I I do certainly appreciate bands that that get successful and use that their success to build on the spectacle, like the Flaming Lips being a great example of that. You may not be into the bouncing balls with people in them and furries on stage but in those are guys who made a lot of money making music and did the crazy shit they wanted to do oh they did yeah and a flaming lip show sells out they, they'll put you know wherever they play you know they they do that um so you guys had the pandemic crash right uh like everybody else uh you released you relate you released uh two singles during that during then at at least 2020 um how how is that because i i take it you guys are the kind of guys where you where you sit together and make it happen how is that to to do it not in person or was that uh well those those were i think two digital only singles which were were basically outtakes we had sitting around that they were both cover songs. Uh, are, are you're talking about the uh, Black Sabbath cover and the uh, the uh, right race with race with the race devil. with the devil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, recorded. That wasn't recorded at the same time as the uh, fourth album, uh, Opera Villains, and there was supposed to be a to two cover song single we recorded that one and another song and we never finished the other song weren't satisfied and so that had never come out so we had it so it's a pandemic we had nothing like okay at least that'll that'll keep our name in the press and it's a good recording something should be done with it uh so that one and fairies wear boots right and fairies wear boots actually had been released only on a cassette only black sabbath tribute release about eight years ago that one was recorded between our second and third albums uh at the same time we did a compilation track for a a seven inch ep that's long out of print (laughs) that we don't play anymore (laughs) so so they were both older older recordings that we pulled out during the pandemic although they were they were both ones we we had a lot of fun doing but we don't recovering recording cover songs isn't usually so much our thing although we we get kind of the playing cover songs out of our system 
every year for Halloween when we do a live set entirely of one band songs. We dress up like them and do the whole, okay, we're going to be Blue Oyster Cult this year, shindig. Okay. Cowbell and everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, of course. <laughs> so, um, so because your your version of uh, Fairies Wear Boots was more, almost more Zappa sounding. Then I and I I was like this has a really good Zappa vibe to it. I I enjoyed that. Um, I again like like you said, you, so you, you didn't do it as like okay, we're doing this for a big production or whatever. But that was really well done. It had a great Zappa vibe to it, and uh, I, I know it just sounded it just was different enough, but it was a, a great version of it. I want to at least tell you that. Yeah, thank thank you. That that's an interesting. Uh... Interesting comparison. I I had not thought of that. My my idea when we were making that is it it was a, a sort of a group idea to have the beginning be very similar to the original and then the second part be something very different. And so kind of my thought on that was taking the if you remember from uh from Paranoid, there's the song Planet Caravan, which is like an acoustic kind of folky song. So our idea was something like that, but take the production from Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath and Sabotage when it had tons of guitar and synthesizer overdubs and was made into this big wall of sound production. So kind of apply the one to the other. Okay. Well, because Zappa would be the guy who would have, I mean, I, I just remember like listening closely going, okay, the keyboard would hit that note the heavy guitars all three would hit that note and then the bass would hit that note and then the drum you know all the, and i was like oh that was but then it, I, it just came across a very zap away i was like that is fun that was you know uh i again i i'm one of those guys that it's a bad thing when i push play on zappa because I, I i just keep going and i'm like four hours later you know like i gotta push stop man <laughs> you know because uh, but he's one of those guys that they'll just do that to you. Black Sabbath, I can do songs for songs, right? But, um, so, uh, anyway, uh, let's see. You're, uh, do you remember that band Blood Rock? Do you remember those guys? Uh, oh, yeah, they, they would, would definitely be in the, uh, the, <sighs> the long list of, of 70s heavy rock bands that have influenced Glitter Wizard. That would be a very long list. Okay, so because like I don't know anybody who knows Blood Rock that I say, do you remember like who is that? But I was like, I bet oh, yeah, these DOA. guys know Blood Rock. I bet these DOA. guys. No, nobody remembers DOA. You do. I was like, I mean, I was like, come on, man, this is such a heavy. That was like, I loved DOA and I loved that, but then most people really haven't heard of it. Like kids that I or people that I talk to, like man never heard that one before and i played to them and they go okay that's a little bit too out there for me but i'm glad so yes i was right on that one because that song is a masterpiece you know and again like horror film rock whatever it was just, just <laughs> yeah oh totally <laughs> so i mean i i love horror film records tsol right you know and just 
again the horror film genre really took a beating after just slasher got really bad in the 80s there weren't a lot of good horror films for a long time and i'm glad that you know there there's still that love for it and that you guys obviously you know lots of horror film lots of horror references in your work so um but yeah so blood rock man i was right on that one Whew, another two points for me so you you guys pull from such a, a great catalog of of influence man oh we're we're definitely all all big music fans and record collectors we we, we can definitely uh spend spend a long time talking about obscure rock bands especially from the the 70s and 80s that uh, you're psychedelic and metal and punk and hardcore and experimental and space and prog and so do you remember uh nina hoggins band called spliff do you remember those guys um i don't know if i remember that particular band i certainly remember nina hoggins so her band went off without her and 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 just formed a band called spliff and they they were very much like and they were like 77 78 79 around there very much like what you guys are are doing they they did one record called the spliff radio show that was just pure genius and they had songs like rock is a drug and all that and they were referencing a lot of the same fun stuff that you guys do but I was like, man, I wonder if these guys know Spliff because I I learned about him when I was living in Germany, so I I don't think there's I, a, I haven't met a single American who knows him. But Spliff radio show sounds familiar. I'll I'll have to give yeah, like um, they were like they they were exactly this vibe that you guys are collecting, and they had they had com comedic commercials in there and stuff like that, and I like. It just made me want to go back and listen to that record. I'm like, oh man, all these good types of uh just this this sound that that we kind of forgot for a long time, you know. And but yeah, the Spliff radio show were like that, and they they did some really good stuff. So check Spliff was a band, they did an album called the Spliff Radio Show, it was a big win. Um and and I like I almost like had this like dream concert would be you guys with them. And and a couple others in there have it be like this multi-hour epic insanity. I don't you know just just the stuff that I was listening to brought up so many memories of other fun albums and bands that I listened to. So I mean, anyway, no, thank you for that. You know, you just you really nailed it with the the fun that I spent so much of my wasted youth enjoying. Um, but then then you throw Brian Eno in there. Like, so is, is he like one of your big, one of yours personal, one of your personal big influences? What tell me about. Um, um, cer certainly. And, uh, I, I, I also love the, the fact that, that for the first couple of years of his career, Brian Eno was a bit of a different person than he has been subsequently is that he really ha had a, uh, his, his plot after Roxy Music was to become a glam rock star, but he quickly changed his mind and had a couple of uh, incidents that hospitalized him that kind of put a, uh, a wrench into that plan. But he he went on about a week-long solo tour where he was the, the front man of a rock band uh, 
doing some of the songs off uh, Here Come the Warm Jets and his later solo releases, along with really over-amped covers of songs like Fever and I'm a Boy by The Who and mm -hmm. the old, uh, I think it might have been a Neil Sedaka song, but a 50s novelty song, I Go Ape. It's like Brian, that <laughs> this is not your music for airport guy. Right, right, right. Around so, the same time, he did the the really great Seven Deadly Fins single. So, so I my my influence is is both Brian, you know, the the technician, the synthesizer genius, but also that Brian, you know, that never quite was, but uh, at the uh, the very short tour got canceled when he was in an automobile accident. And then while he was recovering from that, he uh, apparently, um, if I understand correctly, had a uh, collapsed lung while engaging in some sort of athletic sex act with the groupie. And after that decided that he would live a much more calmed down lifestyle only the rock and roll lifestyle, right? Like, who can say the athletic, athletic sex act for the groupie? Um, I, uh, I, I met Brian Eno at a U two show once, and uh, I just saw him and I yelled, "Brian fucking Eno!" He said, "Well, yes, but I haven't been called that, <laughs> you know." And and he was really polite. You know, it was like cool to meet him, but. Uh, I, I was there going, oh, my God, I, I'm meeting Brian Eno, you know, because um, he was he was well, he still is. But he was very big in the U2 camp for a long time. And they're they are my favorite band. Yes, and, I, I'm I'm not not a big U2 fan, but but his production on those albums is absolutely oh, outstanding. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It, like some of the the finest ear candy I've ever heard. Well, he calls himself the musician without an instrument. And he says, I make the absence of sound the music. And like, yeah, I masterpieces. You know, he's he's an amazing producer, engineer, everything. Yeah, I you know, um he's a lot of people say a lot of things about him, but I he's he's got my undying respect for for so much of what he's done, you know, in my universe. Yes, I love the Roxy music, loved all that, but he's, you know, can't really say, I mean, people say he's difficult to get along with. Yeah, but he can do no wrong when it comes to making music, right? So, um, he got along very well with some people and not not so well with, with other people. Uh, well, one of my, one of the things I, I've done in a past life was being in a, a a Devo tribute band, and I learned a lot about Devo and his uh, work with them producing their first album was a bit of a uh, experience in headbutting. I've I've learned, but it was a uh, the, the results were still great. Oh, well, the D yeah Devo, geez, yes, and the uh, the very first album that Brian you know produced, other than his own, is a huge influence on Glitter Wizard, and that would be the uh, first solo album by Robert Calvert, singer of Hawkwind, which is notable for being an album where on one song you can hear Brian Eno and Lemmy singing harmony vocals together. That was Eno on Hawkwind? Uh, he was not in Hawkwind. He was the producer on this album, played synthesizer 
and but pretty much everybody else in Hawkwind plays on this album. Okay. Okay, because yeah, I mean Hawkwind, yeah, pre Motorhead, yeah, it was you know that was, um, you know Lemmy, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, did you ever get to see Motorhead live? Did you ever get that? Uh, many, many times, yes. Oh, geez, I wanted to so bad. Um, I I have a friend Durga McBroom. She sings back up for Pink Floyd, and she she her her Lemmy story is the best, right? She's like. I was, uh, we, we went to uh, an, an after hours party with Lemmy and, and we're all singing Beatles karaoke acapella and there's Lemmy singing, you know, she loves you. Yay. In perfect pitch. <laughs> uh, he, he was a huge Beatles fan. He oh, loved the yeah. Beatles. Yeah. But one, one of the most endearing stories about Lemmy was, and, and th this one was told to me in confidence, but there was this girl, she was in one of those early teeny bopper rock bands right and she said we were out there and she, you know the record label made sure she said, we had babysitters no they were the guys getting us the drugs right and she said I, I don't even remember where it was i was in a festival somewhere in europe somewhere and i'm working my way through a very expensive bottle of scotch a 400 dollar bottle of scotch right lemmy walks in goes right love you've had enough no more for you tonight yanks it out of my hand and walks off she's like when nobody else is being a responsible adult lemmy was being a responsible adult for me and i said you know he just went and drank it she said of course he did it was lemmy you know but he, you know when she told me that story and she said after i got sober lemmy was like lemmy still made it a point to make sure that all right she's here everybody put the booze away right you know she, he was just a sweetheart like that like no no you're sober i'm gonna make sure you stay that way and that that's so endearing to hear these stories right that but uh i mean come on we all grow up hearing all the craziness of lemmy but then you hear something like that and you go wow what a guy you know um so uh let's see in the hall of the oyster king um that was almost a nursery rhyme man that was so like first of all who wrote that one who was, was that a wendy or, uh, or yeah pretty pretty much all almost all the lyrics are are from wendy so okay so and I, I'm pretty sure there, there's a, uh, there's probably a little bit of a Lewis Carroll reference in there. Well, the splish splash, making my splish splash. I mean, you talk about a ship sinking, dragged down, surrounded by a host of whales. He's ready for. I mean, you're playing this, this fun metal, glam, whatever, and then at the same time, nursery rhymes in there, right? It's just so fun. It's so enjoyable. Um, I mean, is there much headbutting or, or headbutting when you guys are, are in the studio writing or recording, or is this just, hey, this is fun? Uh, hey, that's a fun lyric. I mean, what? Because the creative process behind what you guys give us is great. The actual creative process is is probably probably very smooth. Um, for for the most. Part, people bring in really good ideas and are are open to uh, to criticism and uh, we've uh, that th there have been a couple times when when Wendy's brought in a song and other people have band have said nope nope not doing no, it no that was not gonna work yeah but not not very often 
Okay. It, only really, really a couple times, but and and you uh, a, a lot of times uh, someone will come up with a riff, someone else will change it around, and we'll just try to try to figure out how things will work to make the best song. And then the the new new record, the the latest EP was a, a little bit of a different creative process since it was done during the pandemic and was extensively demoed but not played live before before we recorded it so so do you guys usually play yourself live just getting it out there and then you record it that that had been the the pattern for the the previous albums for the most part okay uh, it's no and certainly when a when a band is starting that's always going to be be the process I guess starting with the the last couple albums, there were a couple of songs we worked out in the studio and like Oyster King is one that we never really thought would be be a strong live song, might tend to drag down a set. So we've that's one we've never played live. Okay. So cause I like I your catalog, and I'm just gonna tell all the listeners, guys, just go and then put it on shuffle and enjoy it it's it, it is just so just different veins of different different lives of, of of rock and whatnot just all get mixed in there and uh so but that one wasn't one that you would play live that's interesting because it, it would be fun i again i i i i can only imagine that you guys could do what you do live i'd probably enjoy the whole thing um without any complaints of gee i wish they'd played this one or that one i'm sure you would give me the best perfect just be like hey that was a great set you know okay come to europe where they make us play for an hour <laughs> well how long are your sets normally uh we we like to to keep them short and sweet leave people wanting more so usually about 40 minutes maybe 45 minutes 40 45 minutes okay so uh all right. Uh, well, let, let's talk about uh, Suffragette City. It wouldn't be glam without referencing Ziggy Stardust, the the greatest of all that era, obviously. Um, and uh, why did you guys pick that one against the other Bowie? Like, because Ziggy is my favorite Bowie record, right, of all time. That was just. But why why did you pick Suffragette City to? I mean, because your your version of it was killer, right? But why why was that one picked? Um, because I I think a lot of it is because of of Bowie's glamish songs. It is, you know, maybe along with like Gene Genie, one of the absolute most glam in terms of both music and lyrics. Maybe Queen Bitch might be a third, mm -hmm. but no, it, it's even more more glam than Ziggy Stardust. Uh, <laughs> Oh sure, I mean so like... I, I think that 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 was just kind of the idea, and it's it's one that everybody will be familiar with, so they can hear how we do a take on it differently. Because my like even my daughter is getting into old Bowie. It's it's taken a while to get her into, and and then she was we we're just driving the other day. Like I mean we we're driving a couple of months ago, and she played the cramps. I was like. What are you doing? Where'd this come from? Like, I know people in this band. What the hell? Where is this? She's always oh, on that that show Wednesday. Wednesday. Like, I was like, 
oh get out for real because like you know me growing up on those guys and then also my daughter's playing and then the other day she she played surfage city i was like do you realize how amazing this song is do you have any idea where this came from you know one of the like seminal greatest rock albums of the 70s i mean it's it's still at the top you know uh that album changed my life and so many people would say the same thing about that record so um uh i i've been very be i've been very behaved i have not played this music to anybody when when they said don't you can't play this because again it hadn't been released yet so i usually play stuff to my kids but this is one i'm like no i'll have to wait till you know but uh I hope that you have a great time playing that one live. That one's probably going to kill it live, right? Because, yeah, like you said, everyone's going to know that song. Um, So just, I mean, what a song, right? Uh, let's see. Jillian Cope. This is what I thought was really interesting. It came out in your press release. It said, playing a band of freak rock that Julian Cope once described as unashamedly glamorous hard rock right first of all that you got julian cope's attention that's pretty awesome okay he's he's got he's got very very excellent esoteric tastes um and i i there there's a little bit in my ancient history that would explain because <laughs> oh, i'm a huge julian cope fan okay I mean, and, and uh, like, yeah, world shuts your mouth and all that. I mean, he, he's just St. Julian and Peggy suicide. You know, I, I like, I just a huge fan, but the way that he looks lately, you know, if you, you, have you seen what he looks like lately? Right. With his, you know, that same leather jacket he was wearing back in the eighties, you cut the sleeves off. He's wearing a, a bomber's hat, you know, uh, he, all he's that, wearing right? at, actually it, it was uh really scary, uh, <laughs> I, I could even go get it. I I got what apparently is a a German Kriegsmarine cap is what it is. And when I put it on, I look exactly like Julian Cope. It's really uncanny. You need the beard. You need other than the beard, right? But um, uh, he he didn't have that. This was about ten years ago. He didn't have a beard at that okay, time. Okay, because as of late, he's got a beard like a big burly. You know. Yeah, that that seems it. See, he is definitely the type who you would think would get an Alan Moore type beard eventually. Yeah. And I just posted a picture up on Facebook a while ago of Julian Cope like that. And he's got the, like the, 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 the wrist high, like almost elbow high gloves, black, you know, and he's just standing there, you know, sleeveless jacket on and everything. And said, sometimes all you need to do is look at a picture of Julian Cope to know everything's going to be okay. You know, I love the guy. <laughs> But so you know him, or at least you 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 like you said ancient history. Um, uh, in the nineties, I I played uh, guest keyboard synthesizer with a uh, a band who put called Monoshock, who put out a double album, Walk to the Fire, that is one of Julian Cope's favorites of all time, and wow, is uh, wow. I is in my completely biased opinion is one of the great unknown albums of rock and roll. Well, I, I need to know what is it called. Uh, the band is Monoshock, and the album is Walk to the Fire. It's a double LP. Okay, is it available? Is it up on digital streaming? Because from I'm your, sure it's on. I I'm gonna have to go find that record now. I I'm sure it's on streaming. It, it was uh, the vinyl was reissued a couple years ago, but it was one of those deals where the it sold out in pre-orders. It's it's one of those kind of 
secrets to people in the know. If if anybody knows the record, they know kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So and because that just if if Julian Cope is praising that record, I'm like, yeah, okay. And if it, I'm I'm gonna go look for it or at least digital streaming because. And it was also through uh, through my connection with the folks in that band, um, how uh, Steve McKay of the Stooges came to play saxophone on our first album. Wow. Jeez, wow. So, wow was right. Yeah. Well, like everything else you're talking about, I'm like, this guy's done it all. You know, you have, you've been through, I mean, yeah, you're, you're a walking encyclopedia of rock and roll, obviously. And and I I hope that you can at least appreciate when i stack you next to wendy carlos you know i like, certainly do who, like who knows wendy well, she's you, not very rock and roll <laughs> right right but i mean analog synth and the the i'm like yeah and brian eat like but like you guys are just one of those bands that it's uh it's like a collective of just like hi, we're we're a museum almost. We're a traveling, living wax museum of great rock and roll, and that was kind of what I felt like. Even more now talking to you, I'm like, geez, I'm so in over my head talking to somebody with the all the experience you've got. But uh, I do enjoy. It. Like I, I would, pro I would like a list of other pieces you worked on, to uh, or, or at least your your recommendation, like like your reading list, your listening list. I would probably. I'd spend a year in that alone based on this conversation. So um, if, if you want to pass it on to your publicist, just say, Hey, tell Jeremy to go and listen to this. <laughs> I, I would consider it an honor to have that list, man. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can, uh, can come up with something, but in, yeah, that that's the thing is that with everybody in the band, we can have conversations like that and know what, what we're talking about. And and I, I think that really helps with the musical communication. You can say, hey, make it more like this obscure thing. And we'll say, yeah, I know what you're talking about and get really interesting results. And the fact that we we all have very diverse musical tastes, what you hear in Glitter Wizard is all from a pretty narrow range of influences, or maybe not narrow, but specific, but what we listen to goes far beyond that and all those things creep into the music somehow. Okay. So, well, what about a tour? You have one show planned. I can see in April, right? Right. Um, that's uh, all, all we have, have booked right now. We're, we're hoping for, for something later in the year. Uh, well, summer festivals, right? If you guys can get out there, summer festivals, that would be the, you know, like, it, I'd come and see you guys. I, I I would love to see you guys live, but I don't, I, I, and I just think summer festival or a medium-sized club, which would be the more ruckus and enjoyable experience, you know, um, I'm betting the club would probably be the, probably the more... a club show, but we've we've played festivals and and had a great time. We uh, we we always have a a good time when they book us to play like doom metal festivals, and they always have us they have us play last, not because we're the big headliners or anything. One one time we played a festival in Berlin, and we're playing at the same time as Sleep. Like, oh mm -hmm. great, who's going to see us when Sleep are playing? Well, turns out everybody's had 
12 hours of music of boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they want something upbeat, something to bring them back to life, something to party with. And and we fit the bill and had people telling us after the set, we were being put to sleep. So he came, see, came to see you. Well, so do you play a lot of the Swedish and Scandinavian metal festivals? Is that the... Uh... Um, we've, we've toured Europe three times and, and they've they've included the you know, these are all smaller festivals um mm-hmm. you know when when a band band like sleep is a headliner yeah uh, you're you're not talking vakken or vakken rock on ring or one of those right right um, but but we've had we've had a, a great time in europe and the 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 german and scandinavian audiences definitely definitely do like us because yeah i've seen like i've just been getting emails i've been getting a lot about the the metal festivals kicking up sweden norway finland again you know denmark they're all um like they're heavy metals a religion you know and so i could see how you guys there being probably the light-hearted fun because there i there's some uh like trail of tears and stuff like that right the norwegian i don't know if you know them norwegian death metal band just like love them but like yeah I could only do maybe an hour of that, and I I would need something <laughs> a lot more easy listening, lighthearted fun, you know. Um, yeah, palate cleansing. Yeah. So shoot, man. I I, I would hope you guys would get out there again. I, I wish you all the success this summer. So again, we're still in winter, right? So um, and I know you can't tell me what you've got lined up yet until you know it's all firm jello, right? But uh, um. Man, this has been a great conversation here, Doug. Um, uh, future plans to you are going to play. You're hoping to line up some more shows. Uh, the new EP, everybody, called "Kiss the Boot." You've got to get this. Just it's if if you've liked any type of glam rock and roll from about what seventy four to eighty two would probably be the this is the pinnacle. This is a great collection of it, but your other work too. I mean, uh, let's see. What was the, what was the really funny one with the, uh, okay. Spell so evil is a great number. Um, uh, let's see what, but there was the one about, uh, uh, I, uh, the, uh, life under the traffic. It's the, again, some great lyrics there. Like, if everybody you got there's some fun lyrics to be had with these guys not just the loud ruckus enjoyable music that i mean the 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 lyrics here are some real gems that that one's even got got some contemporary social commentary in it well let's see the alligators the only friend i know uh you kids so fancy with money and cars right i mean uh life under the traffic it's about living under under the bridge right that's what it was yeah um i mean the lyrics there yeah it's like snubbing you you know like my only friend's the alligator okay (laughs) like florida maybe louisiana but right you know i'm uh i was like wow what a what a line there but yeah I, i knew what that was what it was about but um social commentary yeah it's like you're you're snubbing your nose at those people what do you want me to close to play us out with any anything 
of your catalog. I would I'd be happy to play anything. You know, that I, you I'm want. gonna say you you brought it up already, and I do think in a lot of ways it really is the quintessential glitter wizard song, both in musical and in lyrical uh content, and that would be Worship the Devil. Okay, worship the devil. I don't worship the devil that worships me. Okay, well, all right then. Thank you, Doug. I'll be playing us out with here it is. Worship the devil. Doug, thank you so much for your time and the the history and, and the, the insight here. Everybody, go look up Glitter Wizard and take care. Be good to each other and let music do awesome in your lives. And thank you so much, Doug, for the conversation and the history. This has been quite the uh quite the the ride there everybody go check out the new album ep by glitter wizard it is called kiss the boot and uh if you're a spinal tap fan you need to do that anyway oh spinal tap motorhead all the great stuff um special thanks to barry anders of shriekback for letting us use the theme of title for the song sticky jazz now go fluff up some hair put on some sequins and uh, do some bad dancing under some glitter lights and stuff. Have a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm.